With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, Ask questions and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now... Kaz and Paula. Well, good morning, Jim. We are waiting for Taz to join us. Okay. Well, we can cover a lot of bases at every moment here. Yes. Okay. She should be with us in a second. Well, I've been. It sounds like uh, from the introduction, this is really up my alley. Yes, yes. Because I believe in ancient wisdom as well as modern science. That's the the way that I think everybody's headed, so I hope that the scientists, more scientists uh, go along with what you're saying. In my recent newsletter, I said uh, scientific progress is not achieved by majority vote. And I have been kind of uh, in the middle of this controversy since I started predicting earthquakes in 1974. Uh, here she is. Good. Just a moment. Good morning, Taz. Good morning, Paula. <laughs> okay, it looks like uh, we're we're raring to go here with shake, 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 huh? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, we have uh, for all our listeners out there, we have Jim Berkland. Uh, with us today, uh, he's an earthquake forecaster, and he he warns of a high risk California earthquake prediction for 2013. And what else? Well, we'll be talking to Jim and finding out his views on the shake rattle and roll today. So we're all gearing up to hear what he has to say. We just want to we might be learning a new dance here, huh, Taz? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Jim Berklin is a 50-year registered veteran geologist who claims to have 80% accuracy on earthquake prediction since he understood the patterns. He worked for USGS, a Geological Society of America, U.S. Bureaus of Reclamation, 
and also a county geologist for a county in California. And recently on Fox News, Jim Berkland shared that a major earthquake is imminent in North America. So we're going to find out more. Well, well let's check with what Jim has to tell us and some dates. In fact, uh, I think it was two days ago, we just had an earthquake on, on Nevada on the border of California. Yes, that was a bit welcome surprising. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, welcome well, aboard. We're... I just came back from a cruise around the Caribbean. Well, you're you're lucky <laughs> you're not on, you're lucky you're not on that cruise ship that's out there. Oh. Uh, they're bringing in by with, with tugboats. Those poor people. Not really. It's a, just a terrible situation, and we had just the opposite. Wonderful, on Holland, America, and I handed out uh, about a hundred copies of my February newsletter which is particularly uh, revealing, and most appropriately during this what I call seismic window between the 7th and 14th of February, uh, they had a 3.8 quake in Holland. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so that was timely. It's very similar to what happened when I went to Egypt in about 1996, and I had predicted that there'd be a, an Egyptian quake while I was there during a seismic window, and I saw I felt I was in the shadow of the pyramids on the first evening there, and I saw a fellow reading Al-Aram, and he was speaking English to some people and Arabic to somebody else, and I, and I caught his attention. I said, you know, I've been expecting an earthquake uh, during this week, and he, his eyes went wide, and he showed me on the front page of Al-Aram they just had a five-magnitude quake in Egypt. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, Jim, I don't know if I would be going to places that I predict are going to have an earthquake. <laughs> oh, I don't want to miss them, except the, the real disastrous ones. The only quake, I have felt 84 earthquakes in my 82 years, and the only quake that ever scared me was the World Series quake, which I had predicted in the newspaper four days before it happened. And I called it the World Series quake, and I said it would be a six and a half to seven, and I was 85% confident it would occur because not only did we have the highest tidal force in three years on October 14th of 89, but uh, we had record numbers of missing pets and whales beaching themselves at San Francisco and Santa Cruz, which hasn't happened since or before, and uh, water levels changing and rumbling noises deep underground and and springs, hot springs, cooling down and flowing down. And there were at least a, a dozen clear signals, and I would have been remiss had I not gone public with the prediction. Yeah, that that was something else, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was a, a 7.1, and uh, it was the strongest quake in the South Bay since 1906. Well, do you think we're going to have anything like that big uh this year in California? In California, very likely. Well, at least a six. Um, we do know that Southern California is far more overdue, and the last big quake there was in 1857 on the day of the full moon, and this is one of the things that I find time after time after time. Uh, we just had the day, uh, my window was from the 7th to the 14th, so this is a Valentine's Day is the last day of this window. But they had an eight-magnitude quake in the Solomon Islands on the 6th of, of February, followed by a couple of seven aftershocks, and then followed by a, 
on the on the next day there was a seven magnitude in Colombia, and uh, so the world has been shaken rather um, strongly during this seismic window. However, California has been kind of uh, out of out of the action right in this during this window, and uh, I've had a few three point zero three point ones and. My minimum prediction is usually 3.5 or better, or, or if you say better or larger. And uh, as I say, only the only quake that ever frightened me. I've just really been delighted to experience uh, a number of earthquakes. I'm in the office, and the whole office is shaken, and and uh, it's usually during a time that I would expect them. Well, Unfortunately, what? I've lost one of my chief clues, which has been the, the missing animals for uh, many years. Over 20 years, I was able to go to the lost and found column and see how many missing dogs and cats and birds were out there. And I have recorded all of them in a series of catalogs, daily observations of the comings and goings of animals in uh, the San Jose, San Francisco, and Los Angeles areas. And uh, based on the lost and found column, but unfortunately the newspapers have come on hard times, and they're not predicting. Uh, they don't have a lost and found column anymore in, for animals. Well, the only thing you can tell is when you see a lot of animals on the road. That right. Yeah. Absolutely good observation. That's one of the things that uh, we also look look at. And then unusual activity. If your own pet is his favorite food is off, or the you have a dairy and the milk production goes down, the egg production goes down. <clears throat> that often is a symbol. <clears throat> and in other countries, they have made quite a bit of use of such activity with their pets and their farm animals. Wow. So instead of uh, not being too happy uh, with the lowering of the milk output and uh, the egg output, maybe thanking the animals for their um, little message <laughs> is what we need yeah. to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> but also, so many I'm, people ignore the messages from from nature. Yeah. I, and uh, I remember. Uh, I'm when they had, go ahead, Paul. <laughs> I, I remember when they had that big tsunami. Uh, the yes. Animals went in inland. And it was on the day of the full moon. Mm-hmm. See, we get a new or full moon twice a month, about once every fifteen days, and a an article came out called. Earthquake Prediction and Public Policy. It came out about uh, 1975, and I was delighted to see it because it had one table in it of earthquakes in California or in the United States that were particularly troubling, and they listed uh, from 1933, Long Beach, Day of the Eclipse of the Moon, 1971, San Fernando, Day of the Eclipse of the Moon, and Hebron Lake, Montana, Day of the Full Moon, a big quake in Alaska, April 20, March 27th, 1964, was brought a big tsunami, and the next big tsunami, a nine-magnitude quake, was the one in the Indian Ocean. So the Alaskan quake on the day of the full moon and the Indian Ocean quake on the day of the full moon. And so out of these, um, let's see, there were five listed in this significant earthquake table in the book on, from the USGS on earthquake prediction and public policy. And of those five quakes, 
all five were on the day of the new or full moon. And when I went to a mathematician, I said, what are the chances? And he said, what are the chances any one of them would be on the day of the new or full moon? I said, well, about every 15 days there's new or full moon. And he said, then it's uh, for any one of them, it's one in 15. For any two of them, one in 225, and you figure it out from there. And so it turns out that if all five of them are on the day of syzygy, the random chance is one in 759,000. So I think that I have a lot of mathematical support to my theory. <laughs> now let me let me ask you a question here. Um, I see on um, at the realisticnews.net uh, website saying something about February the 27th, a planetary alignment is taking place, oh. and and. No. Uh, and you don't see anything during that period of time, and I'm and not it's not that impressive. Okay, we just so had the lining what, up of the moon and the uh, and planet Mercury and Venus. They're in the skies just after sunset today. Okay, and so when you're looking at the planets lining up, what planets are you looking at when there's going to be? Uh, quite a little joshua of an earthquake, and also. And can you tell if it's going to be in the middle of the ocean or in a particular area on land? Good points. And I must point out right away, I don't pay attention to the planets. Uh, okay. When supposedly all the planets lined up in 1929, uh, uh, and then they said the next time it would be about 1978 or something, and uh, people were getting concerned and calling me and uh, Orson Welles had had a prediction in a big television show. And so um, I said uh, it didn't happen before. The, the, we To have a, more than uh, five planets line up, the last time was 1929. Of course, it gave us a little break in the stock market, followed by the, the Depression. But it didn't affect the earthquakes. Um, and so I've, I've been putting down the astrology I do believe in astronomy, and we do know that the moon affects our tides and very twice as strongly as the sun does because the moon is so much closer and whipping around the earth every every month. So um, the um, the moon has 2.2 times the effect on our tides, and uh, when the moon is lined up with the sun and earth, that is a syzygy. And that's the name of my monthly newsletter. And I've just completed mailing out 278 monthly copies, starting when I was still on suspension for having predicted the World Series quake, and my bosses took umbrage because of the U.S. Geological Survey complaining that no one can predict earthquakes. And so I was subject to firing, and for two and a half months I had to cool my heels they finally let me come back to work as county geologist for Santa Clara County if I promised I would no longer predict quakes on county time. So that's when I started my newsletter. <laughs> and it's progressing ever since. I didn't retire for another five years. And I retired when I wanted to. I was good and ready to. Well, good. I bet you uh, they're eating their words today. With all, with all your... A lot of them just totally ignore. They say everything I'm doing is coincidence, and. They've said uh, their own scientists have examined the record and they failed to show it. Well, they're they're not looking at my record, and I have just, just like this. Uh, we can tell you that the 
the quakes there near uh, Hawthorne. That big one happened there in 1934. There was about a six and a half magnitude quake there, and it was on the day of the full moon. Oh. And this one that we just had was the strongest quake in about uh, eight years up there, and uh, it was two days after the new moon. So the new moon has something to do with it, also, right? Well, sure. That's when the when the moon is on the same side as the sun. If it rises with the sun, you usually get an eclipse of the sun. Uh, but the, and so you get from two to five eclipses per year, and those are perfect syzygies, and they are always included in my projections for upcoming quakes. So I, with the first issue of every year of my syzygy, I, I put out the annual list of seismic windows that I'm expecting. And I can tell you now that um, the, the moon is going out of phase, and instead of relying upon the, the new moon for March, I'm shift, shifting over to the, the full moon at the end of March. And so um, the, the readers of my newsletter all are quite aware of that, and if any of your readers would like to hear, see a sample copy of my newsletter, uh, they can just send me a self-addressed stamped envelope to Jim Berkland, 1177 Chauvet Road, an old French winemaker, because I'm in the wine country of Valley of the Moon, north of San Francisco, where I was raised. And I just talked to one of my old grammar school graduates uh, a few days ago for the first time in 50 years. So good to see he was still kicking also. But uh, anyway, that's one way. I'm in Glen Ellen, California, the home of Jack London. Glen Ellen. And I'll give the zip code. Glen Ellen, two words. And it's named after Ellen Mary Stewart, a Scotsman's wife. And he named the valley from the Glen and Ellen for Ellen Mary. And uh, that was back in about 1850. So, okay, anyway, I'm 95442. And, then, and if uh, they'd also Chauvet. like to see... Uh, hmm? Spell your word. Spell your road is Chauvet. Yes, C-H-A-U-V-E-T. Little French winemaker. Okay. Yeah. And okay. it just happens that there's been a second... Um, printing of the book about me that came out in, in 2006, the anniversary of the 1906 earthquake. And this book is called The Man Who Predicts Earthquakes, Jim Berkland, Maverick Geologist. And uh, the second printing just arrived, and I've, I've got some copies I'll send to people with my geologic stamp on it, my signature, and right. they'll just send me $20 for a copy of my the book. It's really quite well done by Cal Ori, a gal that lives up in, in Lake Tahoe. And she used to live in the Bay Area and experienced many of the quakes that I did. Okay, so let me let me uh, step back again. You said at the end of March the moon is going to be in the right position. And yes. Right, shall we ask you where the right position is? <laughs> What what uh, city or 
date or what well, are we looking at? It's be the full moon on the twenty. Oh, not that'll be. I've got February. I have a tide calendar that I send for every year through tidelines.com, and uh, it shows the daily patterns of the tides at whatever place on Earth you're you're interested in. So I get them for Los Angeles and San Francisco and 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 uh, Seattle. So the full moon will be on the 27th of March, and the window will run for the next eight days. In fact, I believe I opened up that window on the 26th of March, usually the day before Syzygy. I had to learn from the first two five-magnitude earthquakes after I began predicting back in 1974. They both occurred the day before the full moon. And I thought, what am I missing here? And I realized finally that the Earth can respond to gravitational stresses well before the actual syzygy. As the tides build up in a normal curve, and it, uh, the Earth is not <laughs> aware that the next day or the next two days the tide forces will even be greater. As long as the fault is ready to fail, um, then this extra stress can often cause that failure. How can we so, tell if it's going to be in the middle of the ocean or on the dry land itself? Well, my predictions every month are for uh, an area of two degrees around Mount Diablo, which is at 38 degrees latitude, and your quake was at 38 latitude, right exactly in line with Mount Diablo. And so, unfortunately for me, my window uh, only goes out 140 miles, and uh, this is about 212 miles to the west, to the east of uh, Mount Diablo. Uh, You've had about 20 quakes there, exceeding 2.5, and uh, this one of 5.1 is the strongest in, I've had a list here, about 20 years. It's supposed to have been felt as far as Sacramento. I'm not surprised, yeah. In fact, we had, you remember Humphrey the whale? He came on his way up to uh, Sacramento. He got stuck up in Shag Slough, and I suspected an earthquake was about to occur. <clears throat> Turns out that he came as close as he could to this big Navy uh, antenna, and that antenna is the main uh, source of uh, radio waves for for our nuclear submarine fleet around the Pacific. So my strong guess is that he was responding to electromagnetic signals and wondering what was happening. He got as close to this antenna as he could without going overland. And they had quite a time trying to lure him back out to sea, and they finally succeeded. And darned if he didn't come back Five years later, in the year uh, 1990, 1990, yes, and uh, he got stuck in the mud down by Candlestick Park, and people came out with their boats and blankets and sprayed water on him and kept him fresh, and and when the tides got high, they hauled him off with ropes, and he (laughs) went back out to sea, and there's a beautiful picture of him with his flukes in the air under the Golden Gate Bridge, waving goodbye to San Francisco, and next to that picture, there's this column about the quake up near Lake Tahoe 
that was felt in the Bay Area, and that was about a 5.5. So it looked like he came in again responding to electromagnetic signals from the Earth that preceded a prominent earthquake, and that often causes effects in homing pigeons, whales, dolphins, sharks, and uh, all kinds of critters. Now, now you said you, you pre- predicted an uh, earthquake in Egypt when you went there. But so yes. how do you how do you predict what area the, the earthquake's going to hit? That was blind luck. Okay. <laughs> I just knew I was going to Egypt, and I wanted to have some action. And so I put it in my newsletter. And uh, so I was surprised that it occurred in my window because I, I had no personal knowledge of something special was happening in Egypt. And uh, But for local areas, I do pay attention to the animal activity, like you mentioned, the, the roadkill and the patterns from uh, the animal shelters. And uh, until about uh, five years ago, I was able to use the lost and found columns quite uh, accurately. And I predicted quakes for Seattle. I've been on several TV shows and radio shows in Seattle. And uh, so it's, I predict for within 140 miles of Seattle. Uh, well, I used to. And now I just uh, include Oregon also. So I have a prediction for the Northwest that there will be a a three-and-a-half to six-and-a-half magnitude quake in uh, Oregon or Washington during that March window. And uh, there will be the same magnitude, three-and-a-half to six, in the San Francisco Bay Area and uh, within uh, two degrees of Los Angeles. So those are the three main areas of interest. And uh, as I say, I used to rely to pin down the police um, by the animal activity, and I've lost a lot of that information now. So my my average has dropped down to about 75%, correct? Without the animals. Right. Now, what about in April? Do we see any activity in April at all in this area? Oh, yes. May? Yeah, we'll send you, uh, we'll send you a copy of my my newsletter. And uh, this this issue does have the whole list of windows for the year. So I can just summarize them right now. People have a pen and pencil, and they they would get them if they sent for a copy here. Uh, March 27th, April 3rd, April 25th to May 2nd. And that will accompany a uh, an partial eclipse of the moon. Oh, that that might be pretty. <laughs> yeah. Powerful. May, t- May t- well, it doesn't have to be horrible, not at all. <laughs> but uh, we do know that eclipses uh, often are accompanied by quakes, and that's one of the reasons they had the, the mystical aura about them. But uh, it does mean just a, a perfect alignment, and the tides tend to get quite stronger at that time. In fact, uh, May 23rd, um, there will be another eclipse of the moon, and uh, or the 24th it will be. At that time, the closest approach of the moon will be only 21 hours away from the eclipse. And that's called the Perigian Spring Tide, and it always caused the oceanographers to be especially concerned about 
extremely high tides, coastal uh, protection. And on June 22nd to 29th, an even more strong occurrence will be the perihelion when we're closest. Um, uh, that means the uh, first day of summer, and that's often um, when the lineup is encouraging for quakes. But on that day, the closest approach of the moon for the year will be on the same hour as the full moon. Then you go to July 21st, 28th, another very close approach of the moon, 21 hours later, with an, an 8.8-foot tide at the Golden Gate. Oh, wow. And the Golden Gate tides do not exceed 9.2 feet. So that's quite significant for the year. August 18th, 25th, full moon. September 26th, 20, September 16th to 23rd, full moon. October 17th to 24th, full moon, partial eclipse. November 2nd to 9th, new moon, partial eclipse of the sun. December 1st to 8th, new moon, and uh, pretty close approach of the moon. So all of those, those are all these eight-day windows. And uh, for scoring, people say, well, how do you say you're right on? Well, uh, I give myself credit if I'm one day off, and I give uh, 90% that one day off, 80% two days off, 70% off three days. And uh, and then that's it. If it's more than three days off, it's off, off the bullseye, off the target. So uh, that's the, well, for the last 10 years I've used that because I had no other source of scoring. You know, they say, oh, you, well, I missed which the uh, quake in um, south of San Jose in 1979, and uh, I said it was happened on the on the 7th of August, and it happened on the 6th. And so all the critics said you missed it, total total miss. And I said, well, it's the strongest quake since 1911 in the South Bay. <laughs> <laughs> they said, well, it's coincidence. So that's one of the things I've been putting up with, and I've just learned to shrug it off. And I know that uh, here in, in 1912, it was the 100th anniversary of the big quakes out in New Madrid, Missouri, on the Mississippi, and when the Mississippi had cataracts and falls, and the water flowed backwards for a while. It was, you know, desperate. It was about a nine-magnitude quake, followed by two more in the next two months. So it was desperate in the central part of the United States, but there wasn't much building there, and the Indians took the brunt of it. But uh, here, 100 years later, there's a book about the New Madrid earthquakes in Bulletin 494 from a USGS geologist, Myron Fuller, and I was amazed to see a copy of that book when he describes the fact that six of the seven largest earthquakes in the series occurred at the time of the new or full moon. <laughs> and that was my idea 70 years later. So, um, but anyway, the high science tends to ignore it. 
constantly ignored. I think they are starting to come around a little bit, recognizing that the terrible quake in uh, in uh, China in 1976 at uh, Tangshan was on the day of the new moon. And the, the previous big one, the previous year, was just um, five days after the full moon. And that one had been anticipated by the Chinese because of all of the animal activity and the strange behavior of water wells, magnetic field changes, and they actually had evacuated the city of uh, Haicheng. And uh, then came the Gang of Four that took over China and took the scientists out of their laboratories and put them out to doing something useful like harvesting rice. And they totally missed the terrible quake the following year because they were ignoring, they didn't have their same reporting schedules from the peasants that were reporting on the animals and the water wells and that sort of thing. So, uh, again, uh, science took a step backwards because they, but because of dumb politics. Well, China, China's built up so much now, and I don't think... The, the quality of their buildings are that great. They'll, they'll have quite a mess if there's a big earthquake like that. Well, they slowly learned. They were using bamboo as, bamboo as um, reinforcing rods in the old days, but now they, they're building quite more. In fact, you know, we took all of our, our steel, came from China to rebuild the Oakland Bay Bridge. And we're going to have a big celebration about this $10 billion structure or something, largely waste. But uh, they will have this about three, four months. They're going to have a big celebration about the opening of the bridge and the steel. Uh, all came from China. And weren't the contractors, some of the contractors from China also? Oh, yes. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah we've, we we just turned our back on progress in many places, including in science. And now we can't. They don't even have a space age anymore. You know, they, we have the age, but we don't have the ability to do anything with it. Shutting down everywhere. There are, you know, I guess they're keeping some satellites up there for observation, but uh, we don't have the ability to get our astronauts into the space station. Have to rely on Russia. Now, to other scientists, you you mentioned China, but uh, in any other countries, scientists um, predict earthquakes like you do. I mean, have you? Spoke to any scientists? Yeah. Well, uh, yes. There's a number in in the scientific literature. A number of people have looked at this same thing. I thought it was a, a lone voice in the wilderness there for many years, and I found out that other people have looked at it, but they've taken the same kind of negative hits from the non-believers, and and uh, gravity is a real trigger of earthquakes. Well, you see. <laughs> And on the other side, you see what happened in uh, Italy, where they predicted the, uh, they did not, not predict the quake that destroyed this large part of this great old city and uh, killed uh, several hundred people, I guess. And uh, they had been reassuring the people that uh, all of these little quakes didn't mean anything and uh, don't worry about it. And then the, uh, about a 6.5 came in and, where it wasn't supposed to. And now, just... Uh, Late last year, the, the court system said that six or seven of these scientists that failed to do their duty 
uh, they're going to serve prison terms of several years. Oh, I remember that. Uh-huh. And uh, so what does that do? That puts a damper on science in general, and they're going to be afraid to do anything that uh, reeks of, well, of, of, uh, of new information. They just so fit on it. And so it's, it's a terrible, and I fully uh, appreciate the position that those scientists had because they were told around the world that you cannot predict earthquakes. They are random events. And I was a college professor at the University of uh San Jose State University and back in Appalachian State University and I taught all my students back in the early 70s that earthquakes could not be predicted because that was what I learned at the University of California from seismology and uh, and so I suddenly had to change my, my views and I think that's very healthy one should be willing to accept new information and uh so I've had my neck out there since 1974. In fact, you have, at the uh, at, uh-huh. I was going to say, do you have any others at this point that you're teaching how to look at this stuff and um, you know and support what you're doing? I wish I had people. You know, I'm, I've been retired now since 1994, and uh, I'm doing the best I can to lecture various. Uh, colleges and universities, and I haven't been haven't been called upon for some time now. But um, I go to I'm a member of the Lions Club, and I've given talks to many uh, Lions clubs. And uh, with the SIRS, <laughs> I used to give talk to the Sons in Retirement, and uh, about three times down in in uh, San Jose when I was county geologist for Santa Clara County, and in those days. I saw these old old guys, but willing to listen. And uh, then I came up here back to Sonoma County, and I was invited to join the SIRS here. And when I, my first talk with them, I said, you know, I used to speak to the SIRS on several occasions, and they always looked like a bunch of old fogies, and now I are one. <laughs> yeah. So this... Get the word out at least, uh, and that's uh, that's been my my goal uh, for these many years, and uh, and it's useful to be on a, a radio station such as yours because this is the type of thing that you encourage, that uh, accept far out ideas as as least worth listening to and uh, trying to pay some attention to. So you were on the Fox News, weren't you? Many times, yeah. I was on the Art Bell show in the for let's see, starting in 1997, and uh, at that time, I had a a little earplug in my ear listening to the late night show. My wife doesn't like extraneous noises, especially trying to sleep, so I was listening, and all of a sudden, I hear. I wish Jim Berkland would give me a call. And so I went down to <laughs> the computer, and, <laughs> and I, I I called him, and at 9 in the morning I got a call from him. Jim, we want to be on my show tonight? I said, yeah, sure. Well, you better get a little nap because I'm on for four hours. And so <laughs> from at that time he was on from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. 
And uh, about a half, oh, halfway through the show, we had a call from, I presume, some geologist who said, uh, Art, why don't you get on the show a real geologist instead of this blowhard? And uh, Art said, <laughs> and Art said, uh, how about it, Jim? Are you a real geologist? And I said, I must be because I had a heck of a time sleeping last night because of this pea gravel under my mattress. <laughs> he says, well, it's good to talk to a geologist with a sense of humor. You have to keep a sense of humor. Oh, and of course, I was went to the Great Pyramid, and uh, that was amazing, an amazing experience. We had this total darkness for one hour inside the king's chamber, and I got these messages that, uh, you know, it opened up my mind. I mean, where would you get a message? So I said... Uh, uh, what about uh, eternity? And uh, I hear a message over my shoulder, eternity is where you find it. Oh, what about, uh, uh, oh, <laughs> and I said, what about time? And I hear, time waits for no man. I hear, oh, well, I've heard of this before. But maybe for a foxy lady. <laughs> <laughs> So, again, there was a nice little bit of humor coming in. And then the time was up. Our hour was over, and I I didn't get any more great uh, messages. But as I was at, emerging from the, uh, the, the pyramid, the Great Pyramid of Giza, I looked down at our group getting aboard a, a little uh, bus, and I suddenly realized what life's all about. And it's one of those moments that, uh, you know, I'd just say, oh, I, everything that followed, uh, I kind of relate to that. Uh, we are here to seek our purpose and strive to achieve it. Anything less is a waste of existence. And so that's been my, my goal, to keep seeking my purpose, and I think I found it, and I'm trying to achieve the goal. Well, when you were at the Great Pyramid, did you have to pinch yourself and say, am I really here? <laughs> no, it became very acceptable. And the and the things that uh, supposedly they had the air chambers uh, in the in the um, king's chamber, which is a fairly small thing, and at the one end is the coffer, the big granite coffin. And we, several of us got to lie down in it, and I went in and went, oh, my goodness, the whole, the whole thing just kind of vibrated. But um, those supposed air chambers actually are geared right up to Orion on one side and to uh, the, uh, oh, what was another, another uh, star, another with another god or goddess. But uh, in order to create that pyramid, to create these little passages going up to the skies, <coughs> sorry, they um, they had to construct these, you know, well in advance to make everything fit together. Just amazing how they did this, and they had no steel, and they had uh, no wheels. They didn't use the wheel to make those pyramids. Oh, it's just. So there you go. It, it uh, does seem like we had there was some other source of information. 
and perhaps yeah. from some other planet. Now, um, as far as ley lines go, we have ley lines around mm. the Earth. Oh, yes. So, do the earthquakes follow the ley lines? Like, if you, I've never seen anyone, you know, into that. But uh, some of the greatest ley lines are in, uh, in Great Britain, and they have not that many quakes. Well, maybe maybe that's why uh, the ancient ones decided to uh, live there. Maybe, yeah. A Stonehenge. We got to Stonehenge with my young daughter, and they still don't understand all about that. But, well, it's uh, interesting. I, I just heard that the pyramids were all built on ley lines. Uh, well, they're on all... The, excuse me, well, on the fault lines. And I thought, that's interesting. Why would they do no. that? Um, Wherever you saw that was wrong. There are hardly okay. any, any faults in Egypt, and the whole continent of Africa is, is fairly stable. That's the one for plate tectonics. It's the continent that they rely on. In fact, um, you know the continents move around, it, mm-hmm. uh, but Africa has not moved, and it still has, you know, um, with the pyramids shaped, uh, their their faces go north, east, west, and south. And uh, they're four four sided, and they're right angles to the primary directions. Uh, and when we oh, and we rang our uh, I had a little Tibetan chimes I picked up at a, a meeting there in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and I just brought them along and I used them when the, the lights went out in the Great Pyramid, and they rang for over a half a minute, just a wonderful outfit of the little experiment in there. And only later did I find out that that Giza is online with Persepolis and Lhasa. Oh. Yep. Somebody knew something. Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I went to the Great Pyramid, and a lot of our electrical equipment quit. You know the cameras uh-huh. and things. Oh my! Yeah. In in the Great Pyramid, totally dark. I. Uh, if you, you know, if you right now, if you're sitting in the at a desk somewhere, and you open your fingers and make a move up and down in front of your eyes, you'd see light and dark, light and dark. Mm-hmm. And if you move them sideways, you see the same thing. I could see this in the Great Pyramid. There was a uh, there was a light and dark, and it and there was no you know definite electrical connection we knew about, but. Uh, you might try that sometimes. I came home and tried it in the closet and didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife said, "What are you doing there in there?" <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell her what I was doing. There. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking your, your wife must think you're quite a character. <laughs> oh, absolutely. She doesn't want to know too much about earthquakes. <laughs> um, so, um, do you feel like you're living in a safe place? Yes, in a wine I'm country. Happy to get here. In fact, uh, I was here. I felt the first earthquake of my in my life. Although I'm a native Californian, sitting on this property in 1957 when the Daly City quake hit, it was a 5.2 south of San Francisco. Did quite a bit of damage down there. But when the P wave hit here. I had just arrived back from my, I was working at a state hospital before I'd gone back to school to get my degrees. 
and uh, I suddenly felt the boom, and I thought the local hotel where I'd worked several years but had exploded from gas or something, and I headed for the door, and all of a sudden the whole floor began to roll and rock, and I got to the outside door, and I looked at the neighbor's fields, which are still there, about four acres of open land, a meadow, and it was moving up and down like a choppy sea, at least a foot and a half is my guess of the amplitude. And uh, later when I went to work for the USGS, I told them about my experience, and they said, Jim, that was optical illusion. The ground only moves a few inches. I said, well, I know what I saw, and I've been on choppy seas, and I've seen the ground was doing that, but they, they didn't buy it. Well, they, the, they've you know, photographed uh, now it's true. I mean, yeah. they they weren't they weren't familiar with it themselves, so they put it down. And then once you experience it, then you you say, "I believe what I'm seeing, not what I'm told, <laughs> and what I read." Yeah. Now, uh, if you follow the longitude latitude around the world, and if there's an earthquake, let's say Turkey, and if you follow uh, either the longitude or the latitude. Is there another well, earthquake on the other part of the world? That interesting that? you should mention Turkey, because that's where the, the big one hit, Izmet. Six days after the total eclipse of the sun passed over England and France, and on my newsletter I had said that the uh, that Turkey and India especially were under the gun because the total eclipse is going right through across Europe and ending up in the Indian Ocean. And so... Uh, when the Izmit quake hit, and it was devastating, I don't know, 20,000 killed or so, it was right on the North Anatolian Fault, which runs all along the northern side of uh, Turkey, east-west. And the next day, over here, about the same latitude, we had at north of San Francisco a five-magnitude quake, the strongest in the North Bay on the San Andreas since 1906. And it was a 5.0, and luckily there was minor damage, but it was felt here. And it was the day after the terrible Izmet quake. And they both followed the eclipse of the moon. The sun, in that case, eclipse of the sun. Oh, okay. That's the reason why it does that. <coughs> I think so. It, uh, because I, I kind of like track that myself. Like mm-hmm. if there's a major earthquake and see where it happens on the other side of the world. Yes. There's a, kind of a rebound effect around the ring of fire. The Pacific gets some 80% of the largest earthquakes. So the fourth prediction I make every month is that there will be a seven-magnitude quake around the ring of fire. And that one, well, we just had about three of them <laughs> during this last window. And that's they only happen about, oh, 16 times a year. So to get three of them in, you know, one one week, it's a little unusual. Do you think Japan's going to have another large quake soon? I don't know about soon, but uh, it is the number one destructive earthquake country. Yeah, and and fortunately, Japan has long recognized their vulnerability, and they designed for great earthquakes. And the the Chinese are slowly coming onto the scene and uh, designing for much larger quakes. But there was a young, there was a Chinese fellow that wanted to work with me on predictions, 
And I said, uh, well, maybe. Uh, what have you predicted recently? And he said, the Chinese government does not allow us to uh, go public to other countries. We have to deal with our own country. And I said, well, then I guess we can work very closely together, but here's what I've been doing. And so we're, we're open to certainly some suggestions. And so he uh, wouldn't share on his end. <laughs> no, he couldn't. I mean, just like the people in um, Italy. Uh, here now they're said it was just the opposite for them. They're, they're blamed for not predicting and not issuing the information to the public. Now, it's fortunate for me, as, as engineering geologist number 58, licensed by the state of California, and now they've got probably 6,000, um, I almost gave up my license. And uh, fortunately, I did not, because I could be sued for predicting quakes, you know, acting without a license. Wow. But I've got the license, yeah. You got, you and so sure. anybody that wants a copy of my book, you'll see my stamp, Engineering Geologist number 58. And, uh, okay. Well, let's talk about your book just a second, Jim. So they can direct it yeah. to Jim Berkland, and that's B-E-R-K-L-A-N-D. And the uh-huh, 1177. 1177 Chauvet, or Chauvet Road. Yes. It's C H A U V E T T in road, and it's Glen Ellen, two words, in California, mm-hmm. and the zip code is nine five four four two. That's it. And the okay, so yeah, twenty dollars, and, and I'll send them a copy. Okay. So can people get that on from off of your website also? Your address? No, uh, but they can get it on Amazon. And without my signature, and they get it for about sixteen ninety five or so plus plus postage. I, I I provide the postage. At least I have been. Okay. But uh, if and somebody uh, goes onto your website, they don't have a uh, pencil and paper. Maybe they're driving. Uh, can they go on your website and get your address off? Of oh, their absolutely, page? absolutely, okay. and the latest information. See, I ran into a problem oh six, about six years ago with my website. It was getting uh, over a million hits every week. And um, I guess there was a lot of jealousy going on, and I was invaded by some Chinese. They took over my site, and uh, my webmaster at the time was able to overcome that. And then came this terrible pornographer that took over my site and very proud of himself. And uh, I realized I was losing sleep. And uh, I said, I, I just can't handle this anymore. Um, so I allowed people to uh, view my site. But in order to post on it, they had to subscribe to my newsletter. And so people that uh, actually want to put words on, they can. And I have 260 people that have. Been able to post on my site, and now, um, okay, your your website is scissorg.com. Yeah, no, no R, scissorg, S Y Z Y G Y, and then my initials J O B. Dot com, scissorgjob.com. Okay, good. 
and you and people can actually find your address there. I'm kind of looking. Yes. And I'm, I'm trying to find your address. So tell me what uh, tab that people would need to go, go to to find yeah. your. Yeah. Yes. You go to forum. <clears throat> the forum is where you see most of the latest information. Ah, very good. Okay. Very good. So if they go to forum, and again, Susan some people. Yeah, some people get to, like, I used to scoff at this, but uh, I've had now 24 women and one one man tell me what they get terrible headaches prior to quakes. And the headaches, every time I follow up, they are centered around the pineal gland in the middle of the forehead. Yeah. And they um, they last, they start about three days before a local quake, and then just uh, maybe within an hour of the quake itself. They can warn their family and say it's a coming, and mostly they keep this quiet. And only because I've been out there with my neck hanging out on my predictions and all, they've called me and said, uh, I'm sure you won't laugh, but you might be interested in this. And, uh, and I said, you join the club. That's, uh, many, many people have had identical symptoms. And so there's electromagnetic energy going out, and that's apparently what the homing pigeons react to, and they the pets and dogs and farm animals. <clears throat> Do some people get lightheaded or dizzy just before an earthquake? Uh, that's something else. They, they, sometimes they pass over a fault zone, a fault line. If they're driving along, they suddenly get these little waves. And I first heard about that from uh, psychic gal Marsha Adams. And uh, she she's kind of a psychic for the stars. And, and she moved back up to Canada when her husband died. And he he was a jovial fellow and always plays Scrooge in Christmas Carol. <laughs> and uh, we hit it off right from the start. So she she's told me several things in advance. We were on a radio station in San Francisco, and as we came out, she grabbed my shoulder and she said, Jim, there's going to be a, a four-magnitude quake up by the Mono Lake on, like, September 4th. And I said, well... That's an area where they get a fair number of earthquakes, but uh, I'll write that down. On September 4th, they had a 4.2 out there at Mono Lake. So how does that happen? <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, on the real huge one we had in here in uh, San Jose, about five minutes prior, it almost felt like my brains were like in an elevator went down there was like a just a space of time that there was my mind was not focused it was literally like blank and i thought that wow. was really strange and then uh-huh. you know, and so i must have caught something that i was in this blank thinking period just i mean i i could really notice it was like an elevator had gone down like my brain had literally shifted it was really strange okay and then we hit the we had the big air earthquake so, um, well, and of course, I was on the seventh floor of the county building, and I had predicted the quake. I was about to go down the elevator, which is lucky I didn't, and then I went to the phone and called Berkeley to hear if there had been any foreshocks. And I got halfway through punching out the numbers when the quake hit, and it almost knocked me down and swayed. I, I protected a, a big uh, electronic paper uh, electronic device from falling to the rug and I held on for about two minutes as the whole building swayed back and forth yeah. and that was, was extended. Oh I know I was in a building that swayed 
It was almost like <laughs> nauseating after it was done because we swayed so much. Yeah. Yes, you, you get... Oh, and it was bouncing and swaying at the same time. But it was, and my office was crunched, and my chief heirloom from the 1906 was destroyed, a beautiful nine-by-nine uh, nine, uh, glass negative of the city hall in San Francisco was crushed. So my best uh, souvenir from 1906 was destroyed by the biggest quake since 1906. Well, Jim, let well, me, uh, we're, we're just <laughs> we're, we're coming to the end. And, you know, thank you for taking out time to be with us today. This is really incredible, as always. And uh, your website is scissorgyjob.com. Yeah, and it's uh-huh. S S Y Z, and then Y G Y J O B dot com. Yes. Uh huh. And uh, and head there, and then um, drop Jim a line, grab his book, and uh, we'll have you back. <laughs> Great. Throughout the okay. year here. There'll be a lot more coming, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. We just hit. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.